Welcome to Effigy Recall, a community-based podcast for the miniatures game Judgment. Hello, my name is Shane, and this is episode 9 of Effigy Recall. Today we're going to do another lore episode. We start off with 306 AG, present day. Move on to a Rakir heroic tale, and then a heroic tale about Ragnus. I apologize if you hear any uh, coughing or sniffling. I still have a cold, um, and I apologize for missing a couple of weeks of recording as I've been under the weather. I hope you enjoy us today, and as always, have a great day. Three oh six AG, current day. The exiled dwarfs return to the mainland in an attempt to re-establish relations with the other races and restore the kingdom of dwarfs on Athean. It had been over a hundred and fifty cycles since they fled to the Spray Islands, so all the survivors of the war that brought their kingdom to its knees had passed away. The loyalists had a fresh outlook on life, a new leader and Queen Bermethra, and were willing to swallow their pride to try and regain their place in the world. Thrommel Ironbeard is special envoy of Queen Bermethra and travels with the Queen's son to treaty with the leaders of the other races. Thrommel discovers that the most vocal against the return of the dwarf monarchy are their kin, dwarves who turned their back on the dwarf traditions and assimilated with society. While the monarchists had spent their time in exile, changing their ways and preparing themselves to return to Athean mainland, it seemed their brethren's hatred had been passed on to the next generation. The elves, through their longevity and intelligence, have risen to positions of power in most of the major cities of Athean. They are the most numerous and prosperous of all the mortal races. However, Unlike the dwarfs, whose expansionist and isolationist designs brought about their downfall, the elves foster a blended society. It is a time of relative peace across Athean, and so the elves work to integrate the other races into their social and political structures, all while ensuring they have ultimate control. The Minotaurs despite their visage and size, have maintained an aura of calm and peacefulness throughout the ages. Their current leader, Don Rakar, is a powerful shaman who leads his people wisely. The Manators have maintained their herd-like existence, roaming the plains of Athean, living without permanent structures or cities of any description. They maintain a spiritual, grounded existence without the need for technology or commerce. Their main contact with the rest of the world is via their friendship with the dwarves who remained following the fall of the dwarf empire and the exile of their monarchy. Thorgar is an anomaly among the Minotaurs. Captured at birth and trained as a gladiator, he has given himself completely over to his race's most base and primal ways. As a direct descendant of one of Adar's generals, Thorgar's blood carries her mark. 
Thorgar's masters, mindful of the power and glory he brings to them, not to mention their coffers, begin a breeding program with him as their main bull. Unbeknown to the gladiator pit overlords, their deeds spread the genetic curse initiated by Adar into the larger Metator population and, over time, alter the evolutionary course of the entire Minotaur race. Eventually, this will shatter their peaceful shamanistic society and bring forth the bloodlust that turns them into hulking killing machines devoid of empathy. The orcs are a divided race on the brink of civil war. Haxa is one of the most prominent shamans and a champion of the old gods. He believes orcs should assimilate with the other races and work together for the common good. Kroll is the first in a new line of witch doctors. While the death cult of Adar was largely wiped from the race following her fall, they have recently risen again as a church that appeals to the downtrodden of the orc race. Death cultists preach orc superiority and the rightful place of their race as head of the societies of Athean. The orcs are one of the most populous races, naturally powerful, and fueled by their naturally violent tendencies, have the ability to subjugate all. This is Krull's vision and the source of his drive to lead the orcs to war. At a micro level, Krull chose his female orc, Zonia, from birth and trained her to become a killing machine. Zonia excelled at every trial and task Krull presented to her leading her to grow into the embodiment of the true orc, a finely tuned killing machine that was a force of destruction on the battlefield. The struggle between Haxa and Krull is the defining struggle of the age for the orcs, keeping the entire race on a knife's edge. The Blood Shadow, a story featuring Rakir, The Blood Shadow, by Colin Bobliness Hill. Rakir ignored the sensation of cramps in his muscles. It was merely a trick of his mind here. Thinking of between as a physical realm was a trap. He could do things here that were impossible on Athean as long as he could persuade himself that they were possible. His mind was betraying him. It knew that if he crouched like this for as long as he had, his muscles should cramp. The fact that his muscles weren't even here, were positioned in the meditative pose in a small room on Athean, meant nothing to the primitive part of his brain. <clears throat> so he focused his will with an effort pushing the tingling feeling of an impending cramp away and solidifying his mental grip on the unnatural shadows that shrouded his position. Sight didn't work the same way here either. Nothing did really, but it wasn't so different in practice. He could hide from sight to an extent using the same skills that worked on Athean. They just manifested differently here. Here he could make shadows to hide in, even drag ruins into existence to a limited extent. He couldn't directly make walls come into being, as Sir Marcus could, but ruins tended to appear where he needed them. 
became deeper and taller when he was near them. Sometimes, he could swear they resembled places he had been. The walls displaying faded patterns that tickled at his memory. The light here made it impossible to be certain, though, and his few discussions with others here led him to believe that they didn't necessarily see the same things as he did. The place was shifting, impossible to get a clear grip on, which was probably why he felt surprisingly at home here. He found daylight on a thin, harsh and unrelenting. The scrutiny of those around him always prickling across his neck, causing him to clench his jaw and grind his teeth. Between was always shadowy, half-lit. People were few and far between, and most were targets for his blade. The repercussions of killing were positive. The rush of the kill with no need for remorse. A steady increase in his skills and power. Some of it even bleeding back into his physical form on a thean. On between, he had no need to conceal who or what he was. A grin stretched across his face, stained blue by the light of Wellen that hung overhead. The light brought out the darker blue of his skin, and that made his smile slip a little. Here, his skin was often the dark blue of the stained, the criminal. He had worn that color on a Athean often, though never by choice, and never for longer than he had to. Five times in his life so far, he'd been arrested and dragged before the authorities. The first three times had been his own clan, before they had disowned him. Each time, he'd been stained for successively longer, though the offenses had all been different. The fourth, after he'd been disowned, had seen him in prison for 300 days. <clears throat> stained for another 200 after release. By the end of that sentence, he had nearly forgotten his own colors. He'd felt shame, hot and heavy, as he struggled to describe them to the inscriber. His markings had changed dramatically since then. More violence and darkness depicted each time until he had needed to find a very few specific inscribers that were willing to depict what his soul called for. The fifth and final time he'd been arrested, they were still unable to pin his actual crime on him. But they had piled on the minor charges until the sentence ticked into thousands of days, and he had known he would never live to serve it out. He had broken out in the first hundred days and fled, with a minotaur for company, stained midnight blue on his old body, with the most inedible ink known. He had spent hundreds of days on the run, strapping covering his arms and legs and a deep cloak covering his head and the rest of his skin. Stained orcs weren't common, but they weren't so rare as to make him easily trackable. He had moved forward, following the bloody star across the ocean eventually to Kashar, the plain lands. There were few orc clans in Kashar. The wars had all but erased them from that land. Still, they had found him eventually, and let him know they knew who he was, what he was. Again, he'd worn the stain. <clears throat> the summons had started in Kashar, and with them the increase in his power. 
his strength. After a few dozen trips to between, he had stopped fearing orcs on Athean. Stopped fearing most things. Occasionally, he requested the stain from his inscriber, burying the increasingly violent marks beneath a darker wash of blue. Until recently, though, that stain had never bled through to his protection on between. He had carried variations of his personal colors, of the clan that had disowned him, and the family that he was now long dead to. He wasn't sure what the change in his colors here meant, but he was sure it meant something. Bearing the stain here, literally on his very soul, meant something fundamental about who he had become. He was a little disconcerted to find that mostly the color felt like home. The grim smile reformed on his lips as he sensed movement coming his way. His patience was about to pay off yet again. The movements were furtive, but far from stealthy. He recognized the figure immediately from the short glimpse he caught as it moved between trees at the edge of the ruins. The midnight blue of the figure's skin was a match to Rakir's own, though for an entirely different reason. That skin and the distinctive mask marked it as cruel. The Witch Doctor, away from his warband, drawn here by the soul that Rakir had been watching, slowly drift through the ruins below. It was no coincidence that the color of the criminal and the color of the Witch Doctor were so similar. In the years following Adar's fall, when the death cultists in orc society were reviled and despised, none bore the brunt of that anger and hatred so hard as the witch doctors, who had led the followers of Adar among the orcs. In fact, in fact, it was the hatred that caused Midnight Blue to be adopted as the stain of the criminal, making all witch doctors into criminals overnight. In the following centuries, as witch doctors came back into the fold of pure orc society, they had begun to take a slightly lighter blue coloration as their own. But there were those who stuck with the old ways, even some that still intended it to carry the same meaning. Cruel was still a follower of Erdar. High up in that organization, if what Rakir had heard was correct, he had never had a full conversation with Cruel. They steered clear of each other whenever they found themselves side by side. Rakir shifted slowly, carefully, moving into position to spring his trap when Cruel inevitably walked into it. The nature of the summoning often made for carelessness since the consequences of death for one of the summoned were minor. Rakir didn't think that way. For him, the kill was important. But surviving, escaping to kill again and again, to hoard the fragments of power pulled from each kill, that was what drove him. He couldn't risk death here unless it was for a certain payoff. Cruel made his way carefully to the edge of the ruins, crouched behind a low wall as he examined the path to where the soul hung, glowing faintly blue in the light of Wellen. Rakir had stalked Cruel dozens of times, if not hundreds. He knew the Witch Doctor could, if given the chance, smother him with his dark will. 
cut him off from the energy of souls that drove between. He was unlikely to drive Rakir himself back to Athene, but he could certainly disable him, perhaps batter him enough to keep him from escape while others arrived to finish him off. He lowered one hand to the stone he perched on and sent a tiny part of his will into it. A marking spread out from his hand, a black circle of energy that expanded into a softly glowing orb with his hand at its center. He pulled his hand out and left the orb hanging, a trick he'd learned early in his time here, a marker of shadow that he could pull himself back to from almost anywhere if the need arose. On the ground below, and about a dozen paces ahead of him, the witch doctor had begun the soul gaze, drawing it slowly towards him. The soul would fight back. Rakir had himself spent many long moments locked in the battle of wills with the remnants of a soul's identity. Some fought hard. Others gave in easily. He had no understanding of why, but he did know that Cruel was a lot stronger in this regard than Rakir himself. He held no illusions that the soul would be able to defeat the witch doctor in the contest. He also knew that while in a soul gaze, not even the strongest of the summoned could spare enough will to truly defend themselves. It was always the most vulnerable moment, the best moment to strike. <laughs> he flew from his perch silently, cloak spread behind him like wings, blade in one hand, the other hand swirling in shadows as he brought his other talent to bear. Cruel didn't sense him until it was far too late. His face turning up and eyes widening behind the mask as Rakir's two hands clapped together on the hilt of his blade and he struck. The blade sank deep into the witch doctor's shoulder and the darkness of Rakir's gift flowed down the blade and into the wound. A fraction of Rakir's will breaking through Coral's defenses and spreading in him, muddying his thoughts making it harder for him to bring his will to bear. Cruel reared back as the soul gaze broke and he cried out as Rakir followed him, slashing brutally at his chest behind the mask. The witch doctor knew he wouldn't survive the fight, but it wasn't the first time they had danced the larger, and the larger objective of stopping Rakir from gaining an edge for his warband could still be achieved. Rakir saw the hardening of Cruel's resolve in his eyes, the commitment to strike that would undo a large part of all his patient work. He had saved something for just this moment. Power from the shrine he touched earlier in the encounter. Just enough to do what needed to be done. To ensure the witch doctor's curse never found a voice. With a thought, he slammed the power home using the fragment of his will that still polluted Cruel. Golden light erupted in the tendrils of black that had spread from his knife wound. In a moment, it burned through Cruel's form, shattering it into fragments and driving his consciousness back to Athean. Rakir drank in the eruption of energy as Cruel collapsed, feeling the power flow through him and strengthen his tether as it weakened Cruel's. Not for the first time, he wished that he could access the power directly himself 
but even Zeron hadn't matched that yet. For now, he would have to remain happy with the fragments he could gather and hoard away from the everlasting. With a gesture of his left hand, he summoned familiar energies and his body was lined in black and then gone. Coalescing back on his perch, he calmed his racing mind, willing himself back to the silent calm he needed to remain concealed. His hiding place was known, at least generally by his enemy, but it was still a good vantage, with plenty of opportunity for escape if the enemy decided to come in numbers the next time. They would come, he knew. The soft gleam of a coalescing soul below him made certain of that. It was only a matter of time. Inferno in the Mistress of the Flame by Andrew Guns Galea Edited by Colin Bodliness Hill Ragnus felt a tugging on his mind, stirring him from slumber and causing his body to roll on its axis within the warm embrace of the magma chamber he slept in. Moments later, he felt it again, the call of his master manifesting as a tug on the fringes of his mind. Foran, the god of his domain, was summoning him, for summoning him forth once again. It was happening with greater frequency of late, since the mortals had been appearing on the shadow plane, disrupting the flow of souls from the mortal realm. There was one in particular, a she-elf that Ragnus's master was most interested in. Ragnus did not understand the fascination. She had an unusually strong mastery over fire, but she was immortal weak-minded fool, just like the rest of them. Dozens of little fools doing the bidding of the usurpers who had carved out small domains in the plane of shadow. A crowd of miserable scavengers, stealing souls and meddling in things they did not understand, threatening their own existence in their folly. Ragnus roared in pain as his master's patience grew thin and the tugging became violent, dragging him inexorably through the veil to between. He heard his master's voice in his mind, taunting him by calling him by the name the mortals used, Inferno. Ragnus didn't know the name's meaning, but he sensed the mockery. The fact he was unable to resist foreign's beckoning irritated Ragnus and drove him towards a killing rage. At least he would shortly get the chance to expand that rage on someone. They called themselves the Summoned, but that summoning was easily and satisfyingly shattered. Though few of them could challenge his powers, some at least provided an entertaining diversion. The She-Elf, Astariel was her name, was in between right now, and his master's intrigue drove him to seek her out. This was another opportunity for Ragnus to capture more shards for 
of her soul and further his master's plan to drag her soul to the elemental plane of fire. Thank you for listening to this episode of Effigy Recall. If you have any comments, questions, ideas for a show, or would like to be a guest on the show, please email me using effigyrecall at gmail.com or message Shane on the official Judgment Discord server. Thank you very much and have a great day.